A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. I think we may have touched a little bit of a nerve on the last Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast and all over a seemingly innocuous conversation. Owen, Murph and Ken all here. Hello, Hello there are you. The conversation I referred to, Murph, was the one in which we were discussing the phenomenon of managers taking their anger out on the water bottles, the pitch side mm-hmm. water bottles, by booting them. You described Mourinho's kicking style as a... I can't even remember which one was it. Bogto. Bogto. No, and I believe very strongly that it's Bogto. No, sure. Ken and I corrected you at the time. We claimed that it should be described as a toe bog. Mm-hmm. We all quarreled briefly and then moved on. But uh, it didn't end there. Oh, the internet no. hasn't moved on. on. Oh, the oh, internet, no. no. Twitter storm. Murph. Created by our friend Jarth Regan, host of the excellent Irishman Abroad podcast. He weighed in to say that as a bog toe enthusiast and dare I say expert I was appalled to hear Owen and Ken correcting Murph on the term then it all kicked off Arsebog's Andrew Mangan backed us up Ken you'd be glad to know mm. so he is welcome back on the show well he's a football man so Ronan Fitzgerald and others went with Charlotte and Murph but out of nowhere all these other phrases started popping up the word bull toe the phrase bull toe yeah I'd have, heard, I'd have heard bull toe yeah. Austin McAvoy says that that's the phrase in Cavan yeah. Kevin Fitzgerald and Ricardinho both said that that exists in Clare and John Hines says that in Leitrim Bulto is the like that. Okay, we'll stick with Bulto. Uh, Sonic sculpture producer of an Irishman abroad. Toe blow around Clontarf. I just no. no. Alan Dunn, big toe. Malvilio big also toe. big toe, big toe in Wexford. TJB B says you're all weird. It's top toe. Ray O'Byrne says toe blow or blemet in Ballier. I mean, well, Blemmet's not even really... Well, bl- yeah, as Ken said, I believe, Blemmet is just... I just hit just, the ball really hard. Blemmet. I mean, that's... To be honest, that man doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. I and mean, he's, even, he's even in the wrong conversation, quite frankly. So, I, mean, Ad- I, don't, I don't know what to say to that guy, to be, to be quite frank. And Aidan Enright, further confusion, guys, in Cork it was Toe Bob. Well, we can all agree Bob. that's simply wrong. Yeah. It's, th- no, it's not an anti-Cork bias, Aidan. No. That's just simply incorrect. <laughs> I, th- I think... Uh, but, I mean, I think you can... You know, there, there are some... Uh, uh, variants there that we've read out that didn't really get a whole lot of support. But I mean, I think that the what it boils down to, the initial original argument was Bogto, country person, Tobog, Dublin person. Well, no, Murph, we're going to be magnanimous about this. Myself and Ken, from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of the heart of Ken Early, Murph. Yeah. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody 
Nobody, Murph. Not you. Not any of your country friends. <laughs> We're sticking. Okay, no. fair enough. Fair enough, on. No, nobody. You've argued a good case there. <laughs> nobody suggested toe poke. Well, that's a different poke, thing. That's Romario. I yeah, like that's a more skillful, yeah. refined version of the toe bog or bog toe or bull toe or toe blow. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Toe blow. Toe is blow. Honestly, the most ridiculous thing I've <laughs> yeah. heard. Um, I would argue, Ken, that the verb goes second, as in handshake, fist bump, toe bog. You bog it with your toe, just as you would shake it with your hand. Jimmy Hill once caused an international incident by describing David Nery's goal against Brazil in the 1982 World Cup, Scotland against Brazil. I remember a, the goal. As though. a toe poke. Whoa. That was do you, do you know the goal we're talking about here? Yeah. It's a, one of the most glorious shots you can imagine. Outside of the boot, <laughs> smacked into the top corner by the fullback. You know, to put, I think Scotland put them 1-0 up against yeah. Brazil. They lost 4-1. They lost, they lost 4-0, 4-1. Things, things went wrong after that. But Jimmy Hill described it as a toe poke on like the halftime analysis. Yeah. And, uh, well, there was war. Well, there wasn't war. But there was bad feeling. And a lot of nasty comments, a lot of nasty comments were made around Scotland about Jimmy Hill and the shape of his face. Let's cut, the, let's push the controversy away though, guys. Celebrate the news instead that US Murph has landed in Ireland ahead of Sunday's big live show, the Liberty Hall Theatre. It's our 750th Irish Times second captain's podcast, believe it or not. It'll be out for you, ready to listen to on Monday. The gang's all here with thanks to Aer Lingus and Original Penguin Clothing. You can confirm he's in the country, Murph. You've uh, sure sighted did, the man. Sure didn't I go out to the airport and pick him up my cell phone. Oh, did you bring out one of those ah, US no, Murph just, signs? No, all I unfurled was the big Cade Mila fault. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's, that's all I unfurled. And he got straight back on the next flight. Unfortunately, he was too freaked out. No, no, he, after, after pleading with him, he's still in the country. We'll get Brian in studio right here for a quick chat tomorrow. That's going to be on our Second Captain's Extras feed. So you can listen to that in SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever, whatever way you normally listen. That's the feed with all our little um, beds and clips and all that excellent stuff. So that would be a bit of a preview, a bit of a taste there of what's going to happen on Sunday night. We'll have him in tomorrow, Friday, if you have a bit of time, won't take that long. To celebrate Brian's arrival, we are increasing the price, Murph, aren't we? Of the posters and packaging of the Second Captain Sports Annual Volume oh. 2 to the US and Canada, we're putting it up. Uh, that's where you're wrong, on. Oh. You're dead wrong. We What's are happening? eliminating. Oh, the, that makes a lot more sense the, the cost from a practical point of view. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you live in, say, Illinois, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe if you live in Pennsylvania, all free. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there, on. Sure. All 50 states, and indeed... The fair land of Canada, uh, vast, sprawling, barren, mostly barren, we should say, barren landscape of Canada, uh, but with some pockets of population, many of which are now infested with Irish people, and I choose my words carefully there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, free postage and packaging to Canada and the US, but hurry up, folks, because that does end at 5pm, that's Greenwich Mean Time, 5pm, tomorrow, Friday. Friday, the... 2nd of December. Just in case somebody's isn't this a week late and thinks, mm. I can get on this. No, you can't. That's the situation up until Friday. 5pm Friday, December 2nd. Now, Ken, please report on some sport. Well, on the League Cup uh, quarterfinals, um, as always for the League Cup, uh, we're really entertaining. I don't know what it is about this competition, but it's consistently, season after season, produces the best matches and the most exciting football of the entire season. In the competition that everybody affects not to uh, care about. Well, that's probably why, is it not? The fact that nobody cares and they can just play. Yeah, shackles off. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <sighs> could, that, could, that, that could be it. Um, uh, at Anfield, a star was born. A star was 
burn, wood burn. Um, uh, the youngest goal scorer in the history of Liverpool Football Club. 17 years and only 45 days. Younger than Michael Owen uh, when he scored against, um, what do you call it? Wimbledon. Wimbledon, yeah. All that time ago. Nearly 20 years uh, since that, actually. But Ben uh, Woodburn scored the second goal as Liverpool beat Leeds. Trent Alexander-Arnold, the right-back, also um, very impressive. These are Klopp's kids. You don't have to work too hard to find the alliterative, um, you know, Fergie's fledglings. Yeah. Kids with a Z. Mm-hmm. Kids with a Z. Klopp's kids. Klopp's, Klopp's children. Klopp's kids. Klopp's children. <laughs> children with a K. Well, you you got to change it up Klopp's, Klopp's kinder. Yeah. Ooh. Kinder. Yeah. The, um, of course, if you were to go the German way, uh, which probably you wouldn't not be, not being in Germany. But, you know, what a wonderful sight it was, Owen, to see this little soft-faced boy uh, so delighted to score. Still, still of an age when... To score the second goal in a League Cup quarterfinal win against Leeds United literally means everything to him. Mm. You know, to see this kind of happiness on his face, no sort of affectations, no, uh, you know, choreographed celebrations, just happiness. Uh, so long may it last, and I'm sure the game will knock it out of him soon enough. <laughs> but uh, but for now, Owen, I think it's going well. Manchester United also unearthing some talent of their own. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Jose Mourinho unleashing uh, on the global stage uh, the man with the unpronounceable name. Uh, a little something-something he's been keeping up his sleeve. Henrik Mkhitaryan. Uh, well, this young Tyro fairly devastated the West Ham defence. Well, it's a youth system. They've always done that at that club. Mm. They've been proud of their youth policy. Jose and fans love to see that. And Rui Faria have found, and it looks to me as though they could have found an absolute gem here. <laughs> you know, this guy, uh, the the intelligence of his runs, he he runs so quick. I mean, for it, he can he he must only be seventeen, same as Woodburn, but an impressive stubble growth already. Yeah, he looks developed for a kid of that age. But just just he took to the stage like a duck to water. You know. You'd think he'd been, he'd been playing at this level for 10 years. I feel for him, though, Ken. I feel for him, because you know what's going to happen. Well, the, the hype. Well, no, no, not so much. Well, the hype is going to potentially affect him, but even if it doesn't, they're just going to buy in some big-name foreign imports. Yeah. That, young, that's give the kids a chance, you know? That has been the problem. But, you know, this guy, like, seemed to almost glide across the field. I was like, how are that guy's boots touching the ground? Does he have little jetpacks on his boots? that are enabling him to just flow across the ground the way he is, the way he seems to have 360-degree vision. I mean, I know he's running and dribbling with his head up, but does he have eight eyes in his, in his uh, head, like a spider? So he's able to see the entire field at all times? I mean, it's amazing. The, the ability this guy has, um, running onto uh, Wayne Rooney's pass, backheeling it to his left hand, setting up another goal in the second half, creating seven chances. First name in the team sheet. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. from from this this day forth, uh, also a kind of a salvage operation appears to have been done on Wayne Rooney. It's almost as though the knowledge that his career was hanging from a thread has somehow energized him into into a response. Because honestly, it was the best I'd seen Rooney play in a long time. Um, you know, he uh, he looked uh, you know sharp. He was kind of aggressive. He was obviously arguing with the referee a lot. He did manage to get booked, which I think was accidental, which means he can't play the next game. So just when it looked as though things were getting going again, he's he's kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit there. Although the match is away to Everton, which is 
never one that he's particularly enjoyed. Um, but look, I mean, this is this just goes to show what a mess Jose Mourinho has made of things over the last few months. Why has this player, Henrik Mkhitaryan, not been involved in Manchester United's team up till now? Apparently, you know, he's he he's looked upon by the coaching staff as needing to learn a bit more about the defensive side of the game. He needs to do a bit more donkey work. Donkey work. Um, I think he showed uh, last night why he was a good signing. And really, he, he gave the kind of performance. That you're like, why is this kind of in there? This is exactly what this team has been missing. A, a, a quick, uh, imaginative, skillful player who uh, is able to make... You know, he's able either with the ball or without the ball to create opportunities for his teammates. His movement is brilliant. His control is is brilliant. Um, the pullback for I mean, the, the one thing that would disappoint me a little bit is the West Ham defender. Uh, I'm not sure who it was. Um, there was two defenders in the box. One of them had to go with Zlatan to the near post, but it was clear that ball is going to the penalty spot. Mm. You know, you've got to you've got to try and intercept that. You know where that that ball is going. I mean, Mkhitaryan, I suppose, maybe makes it look as though he's going to do something else, but you know what he's going to do. Whipped, uh, brought, brought it back to Anthony Martial. Anthony Martial playing really well. Another player who's been kind of on the outskirts uh, of the team. Um, Bastian Schweinsteiger. Did you see what happened when he came on? I felt a little sorry for old Schweiny, to be honest. I mean, he was ter- literally an entire Why did you stadium. feel sorry for him? Well, because an entire stadium was laughing at him. And the they difference. weren't laughing at him. It was, a, it was an absolute triumph. Well, well, how do you mean they were laughing at him? I mean, it was amazing. It was, it was, it was a hilarious cheering, moment. Yeah, they were cheering ironically at his every... I mean, this man has won the World Cup. I yeah. mean, a little bit of respect, please. But they weren't cheering. They were giving him respect. My wife asked me who the 44-year-old had, who had won a competition to play in the last five minutes of the League Cup quarterfinal was. Just because he's, And that's what it appeared. I would have thought a man of your... Um, I mean, you haven't gone with the Grecian 2000 yet, uh, Kieran, but, you know, that's mm. old uh, Iron Temples over there um, would, have, uh, would have had a bit more sympathy with the Silver Fox Schweinsteiger. Well, I, I, I have loads, tons of sympathy for... The Bavarian Badger. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem whatsoever with Schweinsteiger. I, I do have a problem with the Old Trafford crowd treating him like some kind of joke. But they, but they weren't. They were singing they were a song. They were treating him like a joke, Ken. They were singing a bar, the you know the FC Bay, FC Bay Bayern Munich song. They have adapted it for Schweinsteiger. They showed they remembered the song. Uh, he got a massive, massive ovation when he came on. I mean, even Slavin Bilic standing behind him was pissing himself laughing. I mean, you could see Bilic just cracking up at this. As Schweinsteiger himself was, but I mean, it's. A, but I don't understand. I don't understand how you see that as disrespect. That was a triumph for Bastian Schweinsteiger. That was, yeah, I'm back. Here I am. Uh, I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> everything comes in time to him who knows how to wait. Can I just point out that Simon is currently eating a sandwich? I have no idea how he even hit that hotkey. I looked over. I heard it. I looked over and he, he was so quick that he had his hands back. Both hands were wrapped around a very tasty looking brown bread sandwich he's got there. I think these neural pathways have been having a drink there as well. Connected directly into the mainframe. Oh, I'm a, I actually am quite hungry and thirsty. I can't believe you've done this to me. Um, Schweinsteiger. Hurry up, Ken. i got to go and eat. The strongest of all warriors are these two. Time and patience. Uh, Schweinsteiger has been humiliated by Jose, by Jose Mourinho. Exiled, banished, uh, told to leave, told to go. Written off in the books. Literally written off. Um, Uli Hoeneß raging on his behalf from Germany. 
I would let them bleed. That's Manchester United. Bleed them, Bastian. I would let them bleed until the last day and then say goodbye. I would play golf every month uh, and accompany Anna Ivanovic to tennis matches. Oh, yeah, they were another celebrity couple at the Federer, at this Federer day. That, that those were the days. ATP World Tour finals. World Tour finals were mm. Djokovic and Murray. Yeah. I forgot to mention them. I was too caught up with the Hollywood royalty again. Your Woody Harrelsons, your Kevin Spaceys. A club like that should be punished. So do the Ernest. He was advocating um, a senseless vendetta. From Dad, Bast- Dad from Bast- storms into under 12 dressing room. That's what that reminds me of. <laughs> um, You're doing no one any favours. Instead, um, Bastian Schweinsteiger decides to simply turn the other cheek and tweet complimentary remarks about the team and his teammates every time that they've got a good result. Uh, every time he, he posts a photograph on social media, he's smiling. Uh, he's loving life in Manchester. He's saying, go team. He's saying, go boys. And eventually, little Jose Mourinho has to put him back in. And you're telling me that you think that that was a humiliating moment for Bastian Schweinsteiger. No. I'd, say, I'd say it was up there with winning the World Cup. I think the the cheer as he came on, that's great. The cheering of every touch makes him look like a bit of a, you know, charity cause. I don't think so. I think the, I think the crowd were, were making a bit of a point there. I mean, it's not so Schweinsteiger, uh, you know, ripped up any trees um, during his first season there. There was, there was talk that he, unlike some other foreign signings who've come to England, actually really liked the English food. You know, was was enthusiastic about it. You know, that, that it wasn't an issue for him at all. Uh, that, you know, that, and, and he didn't, I mean, he's, he's... Maybe he was unclear as to the nutritional value or otherwise of some of the English delicacies, sure, but... He, he scored a goal at Leicester, didn't he? Um, he played a few all right games. But, you know, Manchester United have been playing Marlon Fellaini in a lot of matches this season. Like, if you've got Schweinsteiger in your squad, you should not be playing Marlon Fellaini in midfield. Now, Jason Marino picks Fellaini because he's tall. Yeah. But, like... Well, Louis van Gaal picked him, and David Moyes signed him and picked him. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be playing him as a you know at the base of midfield and expecting to keep the ball, expecting to control Premier League matches. It's not going to happen. You know it's it's crazy what's going on there. I mean, Mourinho obviously made a decision that you know I can I'm going to get rid of this guy. I don't want this guy here for whatever reason. He's always liked tall players, though, hasn't he, Mourinho? Well, he does. He loves tall players. Um, but I mean, it's, it's just funny how many of these decisions Mourinho seems to have had to go back on. I mean, Carrick is in the team now. Carrick didn't play the first, you know, two months. Nothing. Now he's in. Oh, yeah, but has he gone back on the on this, or has he just brought him on in a meaningless enough game? Well, he's, of course he's gone back. I mean, Schweinsteiger played again. I mean, Schweinsteiger may, may never play another match for Manchester United, but he played again. You know, he, he actually was back. Why is it different from Pep Guardiola, who gets lauded for the treatment of Yaya Torre? Guardiola was quite clear about the conditions uh, involving yeah, it's, he's quite clear. Number one, why he was out. His agent had said things which were unacceptable. And number two, how he could get back in. Apologize. So he explained why he was leaving him out, and then he explained how he would get back in. When Toure apologized, he was back in. So it was a lot clearer. In this case, no one really knows why Mourinho decided to take such a decision on Schweinsteiger. It looked like maybe not the best decision. If you got this player in your squad, you're paying him anyway. You know, he's not as useless as all that. I mean, he's certainly not as useless as some of the guys who were in the team. Uh, Ana Herrera, he wasn't really in the team, which he's now in the team. Um, Anthony Marshall, 
maybe he won't be in the team again. Maybe Mkhitaryan won't be in the team. But it's going to be difficult for Jose Mourinho to leave those guys out, to be fair, after seeing what they can do, um, after them demonstrating what they can do. Um, you could say maybe this is just next level man management. You know, just making sure, like when you hold the dogs back until they're absolutely starving, you know? Hold them back, hold them back, and then let them go. It's just a pity that they're, they're already 11 points off in the, the title race at this stage. So it's a case of, could the dogs have been let off the leash a little earlier? Those dogs are going to have to hunt, kid. Mourinho. And, and how. Mourinho said, uh, he does talk about how it hurts him to leave. It hurts me, it hurts me. It hurts me to leave Dubai and Ashley Young at home. <laughs> I imagine how badly it hurts him. Like a bee sting level of pain? or um. He said, we were playing beautiful football, which is something that the fans like, but we need results. So, um, yeah. Yeah, they do like... At least they, they got the results. They do like beautiful football at Old Trafford. Yeah, they do, they do. It's just one of those things that gets trotted out. Is though Manchester United are the only club who like attacking football and wingers and young players. Why, we, we, we move wide on. play, wingers. Why play, yeah. Attack, um, attack, attack. Lionel Messi, uh, was speaking to Guillaume Balaguer, uh, the Barcelona Real Madrid game is on on Sunday. Um, and he did, an, he did an interview for the Sky preview and uh, he says actually considering what we were talking to Sid about on, sun, on Monday rather something which is kind of interesting he says um, the most important thing in any team is organisation nowadays more than ever having a team which is organised compact and knows how to react to any circumstance is the most important thing achievements are made when you have a good team which works hard everything starts with the organisation this is as opposed to having the three best players in the world you know, Sid was saying, um, Sid referred to one of the uh, Real Sociedad players who said, well, we know they've got eight guys who defend and three guys who kind of stand there waiting to get the ball back. So, um, and how, how kind of dangerous that is if that culture is allowed to, to get a foothold in the team. Well, at least Messi is talking as though he is uh, well aware of, um, of that uh, in terms of the, the danger of it. Um, he did deny that Barcelona are too reliant on him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a tricky one to answer how amazing are you oh no I'm not that amazing um, is the thought that they may rely solely on you flattering or worrying not one thing or the other because I know it isn't true we have a great squad with very talented players we don't rely on an individual so like I said I don't even think about it says uh, Messi so it is going to be interesting to see what happens um, on Sunday uh, I mean, to lose or even to draw really puts Barcelona in a very bad position. They need to win that game, and uh, I'm sure we'll be giving everything to do that. But. All right, and that's it for Kennedy's report on sport. What you? What are you saying? You just a phony, man. This is just what happened. I admit I don't look like the athlete of the day supposed to look. This ain't wrestling. This ain't the WWE, baby. My belly's just a little big. My hand is just a little big. This is just an act that you're doing. You should be an actor. But brother, I am bad, and they know I'm bad. I'll never do that. There were two bad people. One was John Wayne and he's dead, brother. And the other was right here. You can, you can run around like you a preacher and all that you want, but baby, I promise you, I will baptize you. I don't play this, man. You can't teach that. Last night was supposed to see the first leg of the Copa Sudamerica final between the Brazilian club Chapecoense and the Colombians Atletico Nacional. Uh, we all know what happened. Unfortunately, both clubs instead having to pay tribute last night to the 71 people who died in Monday night's plane crash on the way to the game. Ewan McKenna has been reporting this one. Ewan, um, 
Well, first thing I suppose, starting with last night, what should have been a, a game of football, um, a pretty important game of football for both clubs, was something else entirely. It seemed like very in- incredibly powerful scenes at both stadia. Yeah, it kind of really sank in last night because the plane crash happened after midnight um, into Tuesday morning, Brazilian time. So a lot of people would have been asleep at that stage and they, they woke to the news on, on Tuesday morning and there was a, a day of shock, really. Whereas yesterday, the, the kind of the scale of it really hit home in, in Chapaco in the south of Brazil, where Chapacoense are, are from. Um, the stadium was full. There were tributes there um, yesterday evening. The remaining players were were grief-stricken on the pitch in tears, naturally enough. Um, and, and then the scene switched to Medellin, where the final was due to be played. Um, Fox Sports Brazil, who have the rights for the Copa Sudamericana, on one of their channels um, in the top left-hand corner, they had the score and the clock, as they normally would. But it was just a black screen, um, and they had 90 minutes of, of silence across it. Um, and then on their other uh, channel, they had the scenes from inside the stadium, which were bizarre but but really beautiful. Um, Atletico Nacional, their home games are, are normally fairly raucous, yet here you had a, a stadium full of people dressed in white with white flowers holding white candles um, for a tribute. There were as many people again outside the stadium uh, and throughout the ceremony that took place they, um, they constantly kind of broke into football chanting um, to celebrate what they believe is Chapo Coenci winning the title as, as the club want to give them the Copa Sudamericana in a gesture. So I suppose, yeah, bizarre but, but beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, beautiful description. You know, it did strike me that that was a lovely touch from the from from the opposing team. As regards Chapaquenzi themselves, you mentioned the surviving players, the emotional baggage that these guys have to carry now for the rest of their lives, and everyone connected with the club. I mean, we can get into what actually happened and the very latest on that. But is there any indication from the club about what about how they're going to re- rebuild if they're going to rebuild from where they're at at the moment? Um, well, they've said they, they want to, to come back stronger than ever in, in memory of, of those who've passed away. Um, I found it too soon, personally, but on, on the day of the tragedy, a lot of clubs in Brazil came out and they said they'd loan players for free. They wanted a three-year moratorium against relegation. And, and as I say, for me, that was kind of looking to the future on a day when it was about the present and the past. Um the three three of the players did survive, and it's the tales, I suppose, of those who survived and those that died, the personal tales that really bring it home. I mean, um, the goalkeeper Danilo, for example, he made a brilliant save in the last minute of the semi-final against San Lorenzo. He was found alive at the scene, but he later passed away. Um, the guy who did the commentary for that save on Fox Sports, he also passed away. And then of those that are still alive, the, 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 um, the reserve goalkeeper Jackson, uh, he's had a leg amputated. NATO, a defender, has serious chest and head injuries. Um, uh, there's another defender, Alan Rochelle. Preliminary reports say that he uh, he, he might not walk again. So it, it's the little stories. And, and emerging over the last couple of days here in Brazil, there's been a lot of of videos from the club in in, in recent days before, before the uh, tragedy. For example, them on board the plane that took them from Sao Paulo to the charter in Bolivia, them getting photographs outside the plane that ultimately crashed. Um, even one of the defenders, Tiaguinho, um, he's a 19-year-old. They, they kind of, they filmed him. Uh, they broke the news to him that his 18-year-old wife had just had a, a baby a couple of weeks ago. So that, that kind of film emerged in the club. So it's the little personal tales, I suppose, that, that really brought it home. But to your original question, yeah, I mean, the club say they want to rebuild stronger than ever. But 
I, I think it's probably too soon to even to even think about that. But the club has, has really been wiped out, Ewan, hasn't it? I mean, it, it wasn't just the team that was on the plane, it was the staff. I mean, it's, looking at the picture of this plane crashed into, it's a hillside. The plane is completely disintegrated. It's, it's miraculous, really, that anybody survived at all. But, you know, I mean, what, what, what's left of the club after that? Um, very little. The town, I suppose, um, the will of, of, of the people in the town might be left. A couple of players, I mean, there were board members on board. And, and, and it was quite a special journey they took. I've seen it compared to Leicester City. That's probably overboard. Um, maybe more like Fulham when they reached a, a Europa League final, but without the, the millionaire backer. Um, they're a club from a small industrial town in, in the south of Brazil. And and much of of, of Brazilian soccer comes from overbloated cities of, of many millions of people. They have fan bases of millions of people, whereas Chapaco is a, a town of about two or a city of about two hundred thousand people. Um, they they only reached the top flight of Brazilian football. They got promoted in in, in twenty thirteen and. For the first couple of seasons, they, they hung in there. They were down near the relegation zone. This year was seen as, as quite a breakthrough, that they're sitting ninth in the table, and obviously they'd reached the final of the Copa Sudamericana, which is the the, the South American version of, of the Europa League here. Um, they were seen as... And this is why it's going to be difficult to replicate if they want to build again, because a lot of Brazilian football is based on debt amongst the bigger clubs. They were seen as a really, really well-run club um, they were run on a shoestring, but they had no debt. So to to repeat what they've done coming from a town that small, it, it's going to be difficult. There's, a, there's an awful lot of goodwill out there for them. But when football returns, it, it's hard to see how a club in a town of that size, in a country with so many super clubs, um, um, can can do it again. Can you tell us, Ewan, what were, what, what were they doing on this plane? Right. Um, well, they played a game on Sunday against Palmeiras, who have won the Brazilian League uh, in Sao Paulo. And they made their way then from Sao Paulo to, well, they planned to, to Medellin. Um, this comes back to their budget. Um, they wanted to charter this plane directly from Sao Paulo to Medellin um, or some company to fly them. But because of Brazilian aviation laws and trade agreements, a Bolivian charter is not allowed into Brazilian airspace. Uh, that, that again, that's to do with kind of laws between, not, not to do with aviation safety. So they boarded um, uh, the Bolivian National Airline um, on, on Monday and they flew to Santa Cruz, which is in the lowlands of Bolivia. There they changed planes. Now in aviation, they call it the Swiss cheese effect and basically a load of holes have to line up for a plane to crash. That plane landed 45 minutes late, which meant they were late getting on the charter, which was in a little bit of a rush, obviously, then. Uh, it it kind of gets disturbing from here. Obviously, we know now it was fuel starvation, but anyone who knows aviation knew this was fuel starvation um, from the get-go. Because the plane they were flying, it's an Avrojet or J, it's the plane CityJet fly, basically. And it was actually owned by CityJet between 2007 and 2011 um, and came down to South America in 2013. Um, but it has a limit uh, of 1,600 nautical miles. The direct distance between Santa Cruz and Medellin is above that. But it gets worse than this. I mean, if you speak to any pilot, they say the best practice in a, on this plane would be a scheduled flight time of a little less than three hours. And then under aviation law, you have to, t- you have, to have 30 minutes of fuel reserves, enough fuel to reach your alternate airport, which could be 20 or 30 minutes. And then 5% fuel on top of that is contingency in case of thunderstorms, in case you need to turn on de-icing, which uses up more fuel, all these sort of things. 
Um, so at the most generous, if you add up those numbers, um, this plane probably shouldn't have been in the air for more than four hours, and that's being extremely generous. Yet from the takeoff in Bolivia to a disappearing off radar near Medellin, this was way over four and a half hours. Um, so I mean, even at, in a best case scenario, this was going to run out of run out of fuel. Um, how could that so happen? These- I, don't, I don't understand you. I mean, how could that happen? This is the kind of thing that you can, you know, work, work out easily. I mean, it's 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 like obvious calculations. I mean, a plane that's only supposed to practically fly for three hours and at maximum can fly for four cannot undertake a journey where it might be in the air for four and a half hours. Um, to put it to put it fairly brutally, and, and if you speak to anyone again, if you speak to pilots or anyone else, it's not only illegal, it, it's suicide. Um, it had made this journey twice before, but it had stopped for refueling in a place called Kobika in the north of Bolivia. The problem was because it took off late this time and it was due to refuel in Kobika, uh, it was nighttime and that airport closes at night. It doesn't have uh, landing facilities at nighttime. It was also supposed to then refuel in Bogota as it entered Colombian airspace. It didn't do that. You can get lucky. And this is where, I mean, depending on tailwinds, depending on all these sort of things, you can get lucky. Uh, it may even have landed on fumes had it not been put into a holding pattern um, outside Medellin. What happened was, and this goes back to the whole Swiss cheese effect, um, there was another plane, an Airbus A320, Viva Airlines, their Colombian company. It was traveling from Bogota to San Andreas Island in the Caribbean. Uh, it made an emergency because it believed it was leaking fuel, called emergency, and therefore it got priority to land in Medellin. Because it had, but, called, because it had called first. Uh, because it called emergency. Uh, and this is the thing, the Lamia plane, which Chapo Coenzi were on board, didn't call emergency until the very last minute. Um, in fact, if you listen back to the, the air traffic control tape, which is quite grim, they talk about things like they have fuel issues, they have this, but under aviation law, you have to say fuel emergency, and it's at that point you get priority landing. Any other wording of it, you go fuel emergency, you go pan pan, or you go mayday, which is the most severe, and that gives you priority. They called none of that until it was too late. And the problem here is, and this is speculation, but the owner of the company was also the pilot, and the minute you call a fuel emergency or pan pan or mayday, uh, it becomes a legal matter and you're open to legal investigation once on the ground. If that had happened, obviously, uh, authorities would have looked into the route it took, the distance it took, the fuel that plane can um, carry. And it would also be subjected to a fine and possible jail time. So you've got a situation where the owner pilot is maybe trying to avoid a legal inquiry and therefore it behaves in a more risky way than he otherwise would have behaved? Possibly. I mean, we will never know the answer to that, but there's a, a lot of factors that add up to this being against best practice, it, to be, it being illegal, uh, to, be, to it being suicidal, to taking undue risks. Um, it all adds up to that. I mean, a lot of things weren't done that should have been done from, from even... Uh, just the whole lot of it. I mean, to, to, to traveling, to taking that aircraft further than it should go, and that's in a direct distance. Uh, that's that's a straight um, line from A to B, which is which is realistic. Which never going to happen. Which never happens. It's called the Great Circle distance. It's the quickest A to B on a, a sphere. That never ever happens in aviation because you have routes in the sky you have to take. You'll be going around thunderstorms. If you have headwinds, um, that that changes everything again. Um, that ad- adds time to it. Um, all, all these factors add up. It depends if if it was a full aircraft. 
if it was an older aircraft, which this one was, it was 17 years old, it eats up more fuel, all these things. And, and I mean, what, what we do know as a fact is it was, it was running on... It was running on empty. It crashed because of fuel starvation. There was no fuel at the crash site, and um, the turbines in the in the engines uh, weren't damaged, which which suggests they weren't running upon impact. And um, the initial uh, problem was reported as an electrical fault. But what happens on this plane is the electronics are powered by generators in engines one and four. Once those engines shut down, then you start getting electrical faults, which is probably why those alarms were going off in the cockpit. There's a lot of detail there, um, Ewan, already, and you say we'll never get all the answers as to why exactly this happened, as opposed to just the simple mechanics of it. Uh, it, it presumably there is an investigation ongoing, though. Is, uh, what actually happens from here on in to try to get as much as much information as possible for, for the survivors and for everybody affected by this? Uh, well, they recovered the, the black boxes, uh, the flight data recorder and the cockpit voice recorder um, fairly rapidly, and they seem to be undamaged because of the, the lack of fire damage, etc. The plane, the Avrojet, was made by British Aerospace, so they have been, that means the cockpit voice recorder and the um, flight data recorder, they're being taken back to the UK to, uh, to go through the details. But unlike most accidents, we know a lot to the point that we know exactly what happened already and we don't know how much new information we'll get out of that. This isn't technical, it's it's a mental issue and with the pilot uh, deceased, we mightn't get answers as to why he was willing to take such risks. People will say in the industry that it's about penny pinching, it's about greed when you're running a small time operation like that. Um, that, that, that you're kind of cutting corners a lot. Um, now, that's, again, that's speculation. But why you would ever take this plane on that route, I mean, for any other reason, it's it's just, it's not fathomable. No, shocking. Ewan, amazing. Thank you very much. Cheers. Take care. So he's almost like having a second captain, isn't he? Second captain, first captain, whatever. Richie Sadler's here. Richie, how are you? How are you, lads? How are you, lads? Richie, how are you, lads? How are you doing this week? I'm marvellous. Look at the joy on my face. Look how happy I was. What the fuck happened? <laughs> no, really. You know, what happened? When John was young, everyone in the city knew about it, but no one had seen it. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's persuaded of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. If you missed our conversation last week with Richie Sadler, Richie was in uh, last Thursday. If you want to scroll down and have a listen to him talking about the child sex abuse story in football, I think he spoke very well and with uh, a lot of common sense. And obviously it's a story that has been developing, Ken, as more and more people have come out and and talked about their own experiences in the last week or so. Crazy um, how big this story is now. The, For instance, the NSPCC... Uh, said that it's obviously in the UK um, have revealed that within two hours of the helpline opening on the 23rd of November received 50 contacts from members of the public 860 calls made in the first week 60 referrals to police or children's services more than triple the number of referrals made in the first three days of the NSPCC Savile helpline opening in 2012 more than a quarter of UK police forces are investigating allegations of historical child abuse in football uh, so 13 uh, different police forces in various areas of um, of the UK. Uh, and a new story from David Etock, who was a player at Newcastle United when it happened to him, Daniel Taylor, again with this interview, and really is 
horrific. Um, he mentions he mentions towards the beginning of the interview. He talk, just talks about uh, he says the, the, he says one of the more difficult parts for me is that I wasn't as young as some of the others. He was actually eighteen when this happened. This was at Newcastle um, in the kind of so close Kevin Keegan season. That's when he joined Newcastle, ninety five, ninety six. He says I saw Eric Bristow saying that these boys, when they'd grown up and were big enough to defend themselves, should have found the guy who had abused them and smashed his face in. Well, I was 18 when I got to know George Ormond. I can still remember the look on his face, how terrifying it was, how his eyes were possessed. Unless you've been in that position, with a grown man in his 40s, you don't know how you'd possibly react. I thought Bristow's comments were disgusting, to be honest. Eric Bristow obviously went on a little tweet, um, tweet rampage where he talked about how Footballers were wimps. Darts players like him were tough. They would never have put up with that kind of thing. Um, and kept going. Yeah. Like he sort of made that point early on. And then I would have gone back and sorted arguing. that puff out, he said. And then, yeah. then he said somewhat later, sorry, I'm in pedo, not puff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously really coming from a place of uh, fathomless stupidity, Eric, uh, Eric Bristow's comments. But you know, I think you should. You, you should. There's no point in me really going through that necessarily. This whole story from David Etog. It's it's pretty horrific. Yeah, but Daniel can. Taylor has that story. You can see it on the on the Guardian website at the moment. And uh, yeah, just 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 really awful. I mean, you can see how so much of this. I, I mean, as he says, he's he's like 18. Um, so it's not like he's a kid. You know, physically speaking, he's you know nearly a, a man. But how how much of this is kind of a kind of a form of mind control, you know, like a kind of like taking advantage of someone's disbelief that this is happening, like their kind of profound confusion that what what's happening here? Is this is this my fault? What's ha- what's happening here? I, I did I did I somehow give this person grounds to believe that I wanted them to do? You know, this these kinds of this the self doubt of someone and how that can be exploited by somebody, um, you know, even. Even even the person doesn't have to necessarily be a child, you know. There doesn't have to be this huge physical disparity. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it's again, it's a grim story, and it looks as though there's going to be a lot more. Yeah. Well, if you want to hear a good conversation about some of the issues surrounding that, then do have a listen to our chat with Richie, as I mentioned last Thursday. That's just about it for most. We do have our live show coming up on Sunday night. Can't wait for that. We're getting things in place for that. It's going to feature US Murph, of course, Richie Lee, Richie Lee. Sort of Richie Lee, Richie Sadler and Andy Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, together, <laughs> they form the superpower known as Richie Lee. Richie Lee McConville. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, Sinead O'Carroll from The Journal. Jonathan Wilson is going to be over. That that one's particularly pertinent for all you football podcasters out there. And loads more besides. We're also going to have a live performance. When I say live performance, I mean fully acted out on a theatre stage of one of your favourite slots. But this is where you come in. You decide. And what's that? Get on Twitter, at Second Captains. Check out our poll. It's either Ken. Well, I'll let you do it, Murphy. You can maybe tell us what what's on there, what the options are, okay, and what so the votes are. There are three options: Ken's Ghouls, The Fairview, and Owen's Poems. And uh, at this juncture, mm-hmm. uh, I'd just like to say this. Go on. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, Owen's Poems. It didn't do so good. <laughs> it's it's gotten ten uh, percent of the vote. I'll stop you there. It's not doing so no. good. Well, yeah. I I, I think to this be honest, is a live a live breathing poll. Yeah. There, there's a day left. If you want to get on there, all I will say is that over the last couple of hours, the numbers have solidified. Owen's poems can now be dismissed from the running. Owen, I'm sorry. Well, I know what's dead. going on here. I know what's happened here. I've lost some support from 
You've the people who sent in poems all of your for the family book. members. No, the poets, the budding poets have sent in poems for the book and they haven't had a chance to see the book yet, some of them, so I don't know if mm. theirs are in there or not. I did read them all. I have put the best ones in there. So and I'm now begging for votes. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm it's begging dead. for votes. Here. 36% Ken's ghouls. 54% oh, yeah. are no, roaring runaway leader Ken's Fairview. Well, yeah, I was beaten by the best. So over a thousand votes have already been cast. Uh, it appears as if a, uh, a pattern has developed. And it looks like we'll be acting out the fair view on Sunday evening. On I can barely wait. Did I say that Saturday Real Madrid Barcelona games on Sunday? By the way, you said oh, it earlier on, yeah. Obviously, I meant Saturday. That's okay. And by the way, and there was another thing I went to correct. We're still on air, you know. Okay. I know there was yeah. some. I know, but I know we're at, right at the very end of the show. With any look, people have turned off at the mere mention of Owen's poems. <laughs> so <laughs> that usually does the trick. Wait a there was something else I meant to correct, which is that some weeks ago I referred to Diego Maradona. Reacting badly to hearing the um, Argentine national anthem booed in Rome at the World Cup semi-final. Yeah, it's in Naples. Everyone knows that. Yeah, yeah, well, you see, Naples, yeah, but you see, uh, you see, the mistake yeah. was, in fact, the booing was taking place at the final in Rome, Argentina against West Germany. It wasn't. They didn't boo the anthem in the semi-final, Argentina against Italy, which was in Naples, not Rome, as I incorrectly said. So I just wanted to put you that idiot. I just wanted to put that on the record right at the very end of the podcast that I made a mistake. Some people pointed it out to me on Twitter and I thanked them very much and I was wrong and I apologise. Check out the Second Captain's Extras feed tomorrow, Friday, and you will hear a, I'm sure, lovely and excited and upbeat chat with US Murph ahead of the big live show on Sunday. Thanks very much, Ken. Thank you, Owen. Thanks, Mini Murph. Thank you, guys. Thanks Thank so much you, for Karen. listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.